Why, hello everyone, and welcome to Music Happy Hour, the happiest hour for music you're gonna find here, with the happiest folks in Owatonna to talk about it. Absolutely. What's our agenda today, Ashton? Well, we have quite the agenda for you guys today. It's um, it's gonna be a fun-filled, uh, fun-filled little podcast for you guys to tune into. Um, we have a very special guest, Dr. Adam Linz. He's a jazz bassist in the Minneapolis scene and has played all over the world. And it's a really fun interview um, towards the end of this podcast. So definitely keep listening. We also um, will be talking about the Beatles album, Pet Sounds. That's our album of the day. Beach Dan, Boys. Beach Boys. Yeah. Why did I say Beatles? That was, <laughs> that was my bad. But uh, we'll be listening <laughs> to the Beach Boys album, Pet Sounds. And um, talking with Adam Linz. And Gannon has our movie minute or movie of the day for us. And uh, movie of the hour, I believe that's what he likes to call it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we'll be talking about music today. What do you got, Sam? Well, first off, because uh, this is the first episode, we should probably do introductions probably, for each of us, so I can go first. I'm Sam Bugler. I'm a percussionist and a junior at OHS. Yeah, I play drums, I sing, the choir, and I'm the drum major for the marching band. Well, no. My name is Gannon Keen. I play French horn, and I sing in the OHS concert choir, and I also play piano in the jazz band in jazz combo let's go i'm ashton uh, jensen i play the saxophone family i try to sing an ohs concert choir um i try my hardest but uh sometimes it doesn't sound quite right but um yeah um what let's talk a little bit about our music interests what type of stuff do you guys find interest in for music i like jazz i don't know i i listen i don't listen to too much music but usually when it, it, it just varies. It's a lot of rock, I suppose, and jazz, and just sort of whatever my brother plays in the car on our way to and from various different events. Well, for me, since we've been quarantined for a while, my whole schedule is split between either watching movies or listening to a, a large amount of albums. So, yeah, in terms of music, I basically like every genre there is. I listen to all kinds, and I enjoy most of it. Good stuff. Yeah, Ooh, I'm also. Uh, yes, you go. You go. Oh, I'm also a part of this new club at the high school called the OHS Hook Club, which basically recommends albums. It's like a book club. It's a great time. Ashton's always in it. Also in it. Yeah, I guess uh, my music interest kind of stems from the uh, jazz period and um, jazz music, but I also really enjoy a lot of um, kind of 80s pop music and stuff like that. that you know, you can just kind of bop your head to and enjoy, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's a little bit about us. Yeah. All right, should we dig into the album for today, boys? Let's the do album. it. The album today is Pet Sounds. I got a little introduction to it, so like, like we've said before, we're going to do the Beach Boys' seminal album, Pet Sounds, and I just have a little history of the album and some People took inspiration from it all around just a little analyzation of it. So Pet Sounds was the brainchild of Beach Boys member Brian Wilson. And basically the, the band had been doing much of surf rock and doing a lot of straight, straight ahead pop tunes. And while they're on tour, Brian Wilson kind of wanted to quote, make quote, the best rock album ever. So he basically took some, took some acid and sat down. <laughs> oh my gosh, Danny. <laughs> Are you saying he didn't? Like, he did. All right, all right. We'll go. It's, 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 it's part of a musician's life, I suppose. I mean, but yeah. Like, 
whatever. Yeah, he took some acid, sat down, and made what's considered one of the best albums of all time that inspired the Beatles to, to create Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band a year later. And just found some quotes on it. Paul McCartney from the Beatles said that it was pet sounds that blew me out of the water. I figured no one is educated musically until they've heard that album. And then Bob Dylan also said about Brian Wilson, Jesus, that ear, he should donate, he should donate it to the Smithsonian. So the, the album says has influenced a lot of people and is generally considered one of the best albums of all time. What did you guys think of it? I liked it. It made me want to take acid and write an album. Um, nice. same, let's, uh, that's the aim. That's the aim. <laughs> I don't think that's quite the goal. I also really and I enjoyed the album. I thought it was a, a really nice. Um, I guess it was different than the normal like Beach Boys songs you may just hear. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was. I thought it was a really well put together album. Um, me too. For me, Pet Sounds is like it's one of my favorite albums of all time. It's like when I, when I first listened to it, I I kind of slept on it. But now that I've had some time to look back and like read the lyrics and actually absorb the whole experience, I absolutely love it. I think that for for its time and just for any like pop slash like rock album of its time, I love how I think sort of dense it is. Like if you look at like the instrumentation, they're using like theremins, accordions, harpsichord, like every single instrument in like a full orchestra. And like whenever a song is on, you just get all these like super dense harmonies from the backing members, these awesome like lyrics, and then this hugest wall of sound from like the from all the backing instrumentation. And it's it's very, very, very pleasing to the ear, in my opinion. Like, yeah, it all I, sounds I, very crisp. Yeah, I definitely agree. I thought it was a really nice, put a really well put together album in instrumentation mm-hmm. and production. But I also really liked how it switched from ballad and um, you know, kind of faster paced music. I thought that was really well done. Uh, mm-hmm. The ballads throughout the album, I thought were pretty stellar. I'm, I'm like, I'm a ballad guy, but like, yeah. Um, what were your I some? Thought it was weaved through the whole thing. Yeah, I'm usually your favorite. a ballad guy, but I liked, I liked them in this this context. They worked really well together mm-hmm. and flowed nicely. Do you guys have any like favorite songs? Well, obviously, wouldn't it be nice? Is one you'd yeah? Like wouldn't it be nice? Yeah, that's such a, a good song. Classic. Also, um, my God only knows. I, I still love that French horn start. That's God only cool. knows. Nice. Caroline then, No is good. I like that one. Yeah, Caroline Sloop, No. I, Sloop, I was thinking about too. Sloop John B is just this like this this fun little song. Like I, I don't know. I, I just love it. And then you still believe in me has these like awesome like fall, fall, like this like falsetto chorus that's like extremely high, but then it goes extremely low. And I just thought that's super cool and so catchy. Yeah, I didn't really see a lot of weak spots in the album. I thought it was uh, mm-hmm. I thought it was just a really well put together album. Um, and it was like mm-hmm. good music. I mean, a lot of the times, at least at Hook Club, right? People are requesting songs that I don't necessarily see as good music. Um, yeah, I shut mean, up. You requested but, Ice but, JJ Fish. Yeah, you, this was the gospel. This was an by enjoyable Ice JJ Fish. Hey, hey, the, the gospel. Point of the club is, by Janet, Ice the point JJ is to discuss Fish. music. Okay, I put that in there because obviously it isn't good music, but there's yeah. a discussion to be had about it. It's a, no, it's but an extremely I, layered album. Has a lot of layers. <laughs> no, I uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this uh, Pet Sounds album. Gannon, what what what's your rating on it? Well, before I have a rating, I'd like to find something that like as the experience of the album where I kind of found my own meaning for the name Pet Sounds. That was cool because like before people, I think I can't remember who said this, but each like member of the Beach Boys has given their own like like reason for why it's called Pet Sounds. One mm-hmm. of the more popular ones is that someone said that Pet Sounds are like your favorite sounds, like the sounds you're like. Are a part of your life and that shape you but for me i kind of interpret it a different way 
this is I'm kind of grasping at straws with this, but I don't know. It makes sense to me. So like when I first heard the album, I went in with like these expectations that like it's a Beach Boys album, and I knew songs like Surfing USA and I Get Around. It was like, okay, it was it's probably just gonna be something like that. And then I feel when you go in with that mindset, you only hear what you like expect to hear. And it wasn't until I actually like listened to the song while reading the lyrics, and I got like how each song or different each song is different. Other ones like a tinge of melancholy. There's an overarching sadness and a sweetness besides these like straight pop songs. And I think that represents pet sounds to me, taking it at face value. Because like when your pet makes a sound, you're applying your own meaning meaning to it too. You don't know what for sure it's saying. But like what 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 like what it says at first, like basically what it says, you can't really make sense of it. And I think it's the own your own meaning that you apply that sets the meaning. So I think like like pet sounds, which you can't decipher, at first, if you just hear the album, you can't really decipher it until like you go in and like read the lyrics and look more into it. That's just my thing. That doesn't make a lot of sense, but no, I, I like that analysis. I I think it's pretty fair. Um, Thanks. I, don't know. I I was kind of curious about the the album title as well. Um, I mean, personally, I didn't really see where it fit in necessarily. It's not like they had mm. goats chirping yeah. in the back or I mean, you know, I'm like I'm pretty sure. Yeah, there's there's a, there's one dog bark at the end of the album. That's it. Yeah. Um, no, but I I I really enjoyed the album. So are we Me ready too. for scores? Or anybody else have anything else to add in? I thought it was good. Thanks, I thought Sam. it was good too. <laughs> I'm a very a... musically literate person, as you can tell. You are. <laughs> very respectable. Sam, what's your score for it? Scale of ten. Uh eight. I'll give it an eight. I like it. I give it a nine out of ten. I think a ten out of ten is just like a score I give very little, so I think on a couple lessons, it could become a 10, but as of now, it's it's at a solid nine. Yeah. Uh, for me, my scale's pretty uh, pretty tough um, to even reach the nine mark. I I uh, listened to it first time. I was like, all right, this is seven, seven probably, but I listened to it again, and I have it at like an 8.2. Um, I thought it's just a really solid album that's enjoyable mm-hmm. to listen to, good production, good meaning. It's just got all of it, all of um, mm-hmm. all the components to make a make an enjoyable album so 8.2 that's pretty good score on my scale so sounds good gannon you've been uh rating a lot of other things during this time of social yes, isolation I've been, right i've been watching a decent amount of movies i guess this is gonna be our little segue to the, to the movie minute movie hour movie minute it's, yeah. let's go so this might be more than a minute my best in a minute ashton just wanted the alliteration but so for today is a movie minute. We're going to talk about a movie I watched I think, a couple of days ago. I don't love the movie, but I like it and respect it a lot. And this is a, the 1975 cult classic, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Now, if you don't, this is like sort of, this is a movie that's based off a musical and it's basically a musical itself, but it's extremely unconventional in its musical stuff because it's very out there. And when it was first released, it was panned a lot. No one, no one really got it. It was just like kind of weird for the sake of being weird. Too big brain. Yes, too big brain. Because like when you watch the movie, it's not like a masterpiece. It's not like great cinematography or editing. It's just like a very out there and fun movie with a surprisingly great cast. But I think the more I sit on it and think about it, the more I like respect it and like it a lot more. Because like my my whole one critique with it was, I feel it it is way too long for the things it's trying to be. Like for the first hour, like all, all the zaniness and like all the silliness is like entertaining but then 
it's 100 minutes long and by like the last 20 minutes i was just kind of like okay when's this thing gonna wrap up but the more i think about it i've been like diving into like the actual soundtrack and i listen to a lot of the songs nice and it's really starting to grow on me so when, when i first watched it i gave like a seven out of ten and i think now it's like grown to an eight so that's a little a little minute on the rocky horror picture show let's probably watch it it's got a great soundtrack great actors in it meatloaf's in it Oh no! I was gonna add it to my um, list of movies to watch, but I changed. No, it's like it's so weird. Like it's basically like there's a song number, and then out of nowhere, Meatloaf just drives a motorcycle out of a freezer, and then starts singing his song, and that's it. He's in the movie but for like that's three what minutes. Meatloaf basically, is it's just yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's so weird. Gannon, so how does that does that movie connect at all to the album that we had today, Pet Sounds? In any oh, way? Nothing. <laughs> I mean, I mean, both, I mean, like they both include music, like. I, I didn't know there was like a prerequisite that it has to include <laughs> like, No, I was just curious because you you, you, <laughs> you seem to stretch analysis today. So um, I, mean, I, I thought yeah. you maybe have some some crazy analysis to bring them together. Well, there might be a pet in the movie. Can't remember. Ooh, I like it. There I like is, it. and there are sounds in the movie. Perfect. Then it's basically the same thing. So they're so they're both like. It, it, so it's the spiritual successor to Pet Sounds. That's what I'm trying to say. This, this album definitely uh, reminded me of, of like my grandpa used to have this old Buick, and we back to the album. Yeah, uh, that's oh, okay. yeah. We're, we're we're switching. We're talking again, sure. and we're. Oh, I'm not talking about that movie. I haven't watched no, that movie. No, with the, I, I, oh, I also thought maybe I should give like a quick plot synopsis of the movie. I don't know. Nope. Gannon, we're out nope. of the minute. Hate to break it. <laughs> Oh, come on, can we just cut back to you for one second, please? Fine, Gannon, speak what you need okay, to say. Okay, so basically... <laughs> We're timing you, Gannon. Beyonce's Brad and Janet's car breakdown outside of the castle. And they go to the castle for a phone, and it's owned by a alien transvestite named Dr. Frank N. Furter. And he is attempting to bring to life his own little human creation, and then zaniness and everything just occurs from there so yeah good movie all right back to what i was talking about outside yes, of the movie minute um <laughs> this album uh, and the beach boys really remind me of of my grandpa's old buick because he used to pop in old cassettes for us to listen to and the beach boys were one of one of the few artists he'd have us listen to um i mean he was a tennessee ernie ford type of guy and uh, jimmy dean type of guy but um no, the Beach Boys always kind of stood out to me, and as not not the breakfast like Jimmy Dean, but like <laughs> no, I'm breakfast. talking about the, the artists, you know, like Big Bad John and Tennessee Ernie Ford with 16 tons and that kind of stuff. But no, the Beach Boys definitely stuck with me, and I mean, just it was different um, mm -hmm. than music I I've heard. You know, do you guys think of any memories with the Beach Boys or music like that? Ooh. Uh, they did the Beach Boys medley for Pops like three years ago, and I remember watching <laughs> my brother dance awkwardly for it. Ooh, okay. I mean, I don't really have any memories of the Beach Boys. I actually didn't listen to them a lot before this. Like, I'm pretty sure I heard like Surfing USA just like on what, like one of my dad's old like uh, CDs of like '60s and '70s hits. Yeah, like I, I knew like their big songs, but yeah. like, I didn't know as many of their. Yeah, I, I definitely haven't listened to a lot of Beach Boys, but after this album, I might dig in a little bit and well, talk about it. One of the things about the Beach Boys is kind of sad is I think after this album, there was so much pressure on them to like put out another amazing album because it was like a rivalry between them and the Beatles because they're like 
Beatles Drop Revolver, then it was Pet Sounds, and then Beatles Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And then in the midst of all that, Brian Wilson, the main guy behind it, was creating an album called Smile with Good Vibrations on it. And it was set to be like one of like the best, like, it's like, it's like an amazing album. But since all the pressure was on him to like, to like outdo the Beatles, he had cracked under pressure and that album was like never released. Mm. And it's kind of sad to know that they possibly could have like done so many other like awesome albums if it wasn't for like the pressure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, just the pressure you kind of hear and uh, that musicians have to face and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, do you guys have any music experience that kind of deals with pressure at all? I mean, like, have you ever been pushed to your limits or anything like that as, as a musician? Or, I mean, like, I've definitely... OHS jazz combo. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, you know, had gigs and stuff that I've had to play for, which I've just not been prepared for at all. But I go through and I... Just so that's for every jazz combo gig for me, then. <laughs> Danon, you're, good. you're a good pianist. Thanks, Ashton. <laughs> No, yeah, I, I, I definitely, like, you know, feel the pressure every once in a while to, to perform. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to turn out what you can turn out, so. Mm-hmm. All right, so up next, we're um, going to welcome in our guest, uh, Dr. Adam Linz. It's, it's quite the interview, so I uh, hope you guys enjoy, and we'll see you on the other end. All right, we're back with our special guest now, um, good friend of mine, Dr. Adam Linz. Uh, would you care to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Adam Lins Esquire. Uh, Adam Lins. All right. Do you? Uh, what, what do you do? <laughs> what do I do? I do lots of. Yeah. Things. I think what you want me to say is I um, I play the double bass, and um, I'm a professional musician um, and a teacher. I've been playing music for about 25 years and teaching for about 20. So a minute here, definitely. Yeah. Sweet. Um, so we just have a couple questions for you today and we'll just kind of see where the conversation goes. Okay. Uh, so we're kind of curious, like when and why did you settle on music as a career? Well, um, I moved around a lot as a kid. I, I, I imagine you guys probably all grew up in Oatana your whole lives, right? I didn't. I grew up in a suburb of the cities, but we moved okay. here before sixth grade. Got you, got you. So by the time I hit seventh grade, I had moved 18 times between 12 states. Okay. Times a year, yeah. And when I was younger, like probably like sixth, seventh grade, I definitely got into music because of of like MTV. And um, uh, back back then, you know, uh, this is pre-internet, you know, I'm in like sixth grade. And this is 1986, and you know, music was a, uh, it was a conversation thing. You know, you you know, if you're a young person, like, you know, hip hip young people listen to music and all kinds of music, and that's uh, um, so I um, we always had cable when we moved, you know, because we would live in like furnished condos and stuff. We didn't have a house till we moved to Minnesota when I was in seventh grade. Um, but when I was young, we moved a lot. Music was a big part of it. And uh, as a kid, uh, in the 80s, kind of roller skating was kind of a big deal. Like you went to a roller rink 
and they would play all kinds of music there. And like, I'd spend several days at the roller rink, just kind of learning about groups. And you could go talk to the DJ back then. They had like a DJ booth and like, you could request things or ask them like, what, what song was that? What band was that? You know what I mean? Um, so the fortunate thing for me was I, I feel because I became a jazz musician was that I kind of came to jazz via the back door of like, I grew up on rock and hip hop and country and soul and all that stuff. But I had an uncle who was a, a jazz bass player in New York city. So around this time too, um, this is around 1987, I'd say like seventh grade, I moved to Minnesota. We buy a house, we're here. And I start really like, I'm playing electric bass, but I start really getting serious about music and about audio engineering and, um, I was a DJ when I started when I was like 16 and uh, so I'm, I'm you know as a as a young person I'm doing all these different aspects of music you know and what made me want to become a musician um, that's that's a great question I, I love playing music and I love the fact that it was like a communal thing I was I was big into like team sports as a kid you know like baseball karate I was into like BMX racing. That was kind of a big thing when I was a kid, skateboarding. And these are things that you do in groups. Like you can do them by yourself, but you know, like, like that dude's like hardcore, you know? So like, I, I, I like the group effort, you know, and um, music, all the bands I was looking at on MTV. I'm like, I'm like, Oh, that that's a band. Like there's no like artist. And then like a bunch of people in the background that nobody knows who the hell they are. You know what I mean? Back then, every you know you knew you knew what a band was and you followed a band and uh, I used to go to a lot of shows when I was younger so um, I used to go to like a lot of like hard rock shows like big stadium shows like Pink Floyd and like Iron Maiden and ACDC and um, even like shows at First Ave um, I saw a ton of music when I was young I was very fortunate uh, and lucky to have some cousins that were really into music. So um, I, I guess all that combined made me just go, hey, you know, if I got my act together early enough, I bet I could do this, you know, and just kind of have that dream, you know, that all young people have of not becoming an accountant. Not that there's anything with, account not anything wrong with accountants, but like when I was young, you know, I would meet musicians because my uncle was a bass player in New York. So I'd go out to New York in the summers and hang with him. And he towed me around town. And uh, we, uh, I met all these jazz musicians when I was like 14. And I was just like, okay, like, this is what I want to do. You know, I don't know what these guys are doing, but it's amazing, you know? So is that, sorry, that was long winded, but. No, that's great. good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> so I was, I was kind of curious on, so obviously you had a lot of movement when you were young. Uh, did you encounter any success and failure as a musician kind of early on or throughout your career? Uh, success or failure, huh? A lot of failure, not much success. No, but um, uh, I was lucky to come up in a time period when the music industry was very vibrant. There was a ton of money into it. The internet, it didn't exist, you guys. Like there was no... YouTube there was no like I mean if you wanted something you had to go buy it and you had to go find it there's no Amazon there's no home delivery dude there's none of that man like like you got to go to the mall 
you got to run around town. You got to make phone calls. Like, do you have this record? Do you have this CD? Do you have this cassette? Um, uh, I, I've been in a ton of bands, ton of rock bands. When I was in high school, I had a hip hop group even that we uh, spent a lot of time in the studio with. And um, I've been in, a, I've played every kind of gig there is probably, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, um, more failures than successes. I think any successful musician will tell you that. Um, and a lot of luck, I will say that too. Uh, being in the right place at the right time and uh, going places where things happen. That's very, very important. Yeah. So then what was the hardest thing you've had to overcome in trying to get into the music scene? Oh, man. Um, you know, by the time I was in high school, I was really dedicated to playing jazz and becoming a jazz musician. You know, I had gone to some summer camps in Manhattan and uh, kind of gotten a taste for like what it took, you know, and how much dedication and practice it took. And at this time, I'm just, I'm practicing all the time. You know, I'm, I'm just shedding. I'm trying to find people my own age to play this music with. That's half the battle right there. And, um, but I knew that I wanted to be a jazz. I'm sorry, say the question one more time. I'm already off topic. <laughs> what was the hardest thing you've had to overcome in trying to get into being a professional musician then yeah um you know it just it, it takes so long and i, I want to stress this to you young guys that are that want to do this maybe as a career um it, it's a long haul man for sure um a hard thing to overcome was i, I went to school at a place called william patterson uh a, a jazz program in New Jersey that Thad Jones started, the great jazz trumpet player. It was incredibly hard and competitive, and I was probably the worst musician they chose to go to that program. Um, I had to work so hard to play catch up to all these other musicians that just, in my mind, they were, they were professionals already, you know? And a lot of them were, like, right away, they were gigging, like, a week after they started college, like, in New York, you know, like serious stuff. Um, college was difficult, but it, it was a really good learning curve. And then um, it, it's hard because you don't quite know what to do. Back when I was young, there were more gigs. You know, there were more places to play music, I'd say even in the Twin Cities. Um, and since I played bass, and since I played double bass, and since I played jazz double bass, um, I was taken under the wings of several older musicians for sure. And uh, I was very lucky that that happened. And I was schooled in a way, you know, I was taken, you're like brought into a secret club. and They're like, okay, here we go. You know, gigging 101, you know. <laughs> um, teaching is hard. I never really wanted to teach, but I could, being a jazz musician, People kind of think you can do anything and all things. So I kind of got pulled into teaching and I really liked it. So I kept doing it. Um, you know, trying to be a, a good positive teacher all the time can be difficult. You know, it's, it's a hard being a jazz musician and being a professional musician in this environment these days. It's very, very challenging, you know, uh, probably the most challenging it's been in a long, long time for sure. Um, uh, 
So, you know, you, it's just like anything. You get knocked down, you got to get up and dust yourself off and keep moving. And, and you'll make it, you know, you'll stride and there's plateaus to it. And it's like anything. Um, you just got to keep chipping away at it. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, uh, I met you at a camp. I mean, you Jazz taught me camp. there and, oh. yep. And I mean, last we impact of a teacher you had. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you when you came to that camp? Oh, I went in seventh and eighth grade were the two years hey, that I went. So. For you. Yeah, yeah, you were great though. You were, you were fearless. That's what I loved about you. Uh, that room was full of, of young people that were so afraid to, to play a single note. You were just like jumping in with both feet. I loved it. You reminded me of myself when I was your age and it was great, man. We had a great time. So, yeah. And uh, talking about it our age, if you could do it all over again, would you still want to be a musician? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's nothing better, man. You're your own boss. It's Adam Lins incorporated. You know, <laughs> all the successes you, you, you get to swim in that stuff. And when you fail, you know, uh, the greatest thing is that you have a community and a support system of people that are, have, have gone through the exact same thing you're going through and uh care about you you know there's a lineage here um when you're young you think everybody's doing it you know um but in reality there are very few young people playing jazz anymore i mean it's really kind of slimmed down quite a bit in the past decade um definitely more people in the world than when i was your age would i what would i do differently or i mean it's just i i love being a professional musician i mean you get up when you want to get up. You definitely have to work a ton at certain times, like touring and gigging and booking yourself and making records and all that stuff. But um, as you get older, that stuff gets easier. And uh, nobody tells you that, you know, but it, it's, a, it's a hard one because you're a lifelong student. So you have to keep chipping away and keep getting better. And um, if you don't do that, you can get stuck really easily and feel stuck. Um, and as you're growing older, a lot of people want to have families. You know, me, I, I kind of chose not to do that. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of my friends uh, be really successful musicians and successful uh, fathers and mothers, but some, a lot of them haven't, you know. So um, it's, uh, I think when you're young, you should really think about what you really want to do, you know, with your life and where you want to be when you're 25 and when you're 30, um, it, it's really, really important. But man, I've traveled the world. I've gotten paid to do it. I've seen places and smelled things that you can't believe, and uh, both good and bad. And uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it's been it's been magical, man. It, it's just as a, a friend of mine would say, dreamy. You know, it, it's a uh, you know. Uh, when you're on stage in Europe in front of 2,000 people that don't know who you are, and they're ready for it and you deliver and they just go freaking nuts. And you're like, where am I now? You know, and then you come home and then like the week after you're like taking the garbage out again, you know, it's just <laughs> normal Joe stuff. So, but it's great. And, uh, you know, I get to meet guys like you guys that really want to try to do this probably, you know, but whenever like I do a clinic too, I ask all the young people, I'm like, who really wants to do this? Like, like, who doesn't want to do this? You know, I want to see that person. You know, <laughs> I'm like, you're smart. <laughs> you're very, very smart. <laughs> I'll tell you guys, when I was younger, Phil Woods, the great alto player, um, would give a little talk to all the new people at the summer jazz programs. And he would say, 
if you, if you have a, a passion for something else other than music, do that for sure. He's like, cause being a musician, it's a really tough road. It's a really hard life. And uh, a lot of people don't have the patience for it. I would say they got the guts for it for sure. And they got the attitude and all that stuff. But I mean, you gotta be a Zen Buddha doing this thing. Cause there's so many ups and downs one day, you know, you're the king of the world and the next, you know, you're, you're a nobody. So it, it's a, it's a, a difficult, challenging road, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I, uh, I've been doing this for so long. I can't imagine doing something else at this point. So, yeah. yeah. So you said you've traveled all around the world and you studied in New Jersey. What led you back to Minnesota? So after I graduated from college, things in New York were kind of, dying down as far as jazz being an industry. A lot of record labels were disappearing. A lot of the clubs were disappearing. Things were changing, you know? Um, so I came back to Minnesota because growing up, I had played in this trio with JT Bates and Michael Lewis, the saxophone player and the drummer. Um, we started playing when we were kids, basically. I think me and JT were 17 and Michael was 15. Um, so, and we still played when I like came home from school in the summer and stuff. And we had this great trio and we already had this repertoire going. So I just came home and got a teaching gig right away, which was nice. And uh, uh, got an apartment with Mike. And that's kind of when uh, this group Fat Kid Wednesday started, this group that we've had for the last, uh, I don't know, 30, 28 years, almost 30 years we've been playing together now. So long time. Um, and uh yeah, you know, I had family here, and I like Minnesota. I, I like living here. Um, the scene's definitely a lot smaller, but um, the scene was incredible here. I mean, there's, there, we're, we're a small city. We shouldn't have this many amazing musicians that live here, you know, but we do. Um, so, yeah, I came back to a really opening, open community that was embracing of me having left for five years and then came back, so. What's uh what's been your favorite gig you've ever played? Um I, the favorite thing I ever did probably was the first time that me and Mike and JT as Fat Kid Wednesdays went to Europe. We played in Paris at this thing called Son de Ver, which is Festival of Winter. And I got to go to Paris for the first time with like my best friends, basically. So that was a real amazing thing. And uh I'll never forget that one for sure. So I was a little curious. You've talked about how obviously the music scene has shifted, right? And it's not as much CD and cassettes. How is like the, the revolution of new music um, with streaming platforms changed the business? Well, it sucks. Nobody makes any money anymore. You know, streaming, when that came along, everybody's like, oh, this is going to be the new thing, man. This is going to be the only way you can make money. Um, and I was kind of like, well, I'll just keep making vinyl, you know, <laughs> I'll keep making records. Um, uh, I think, um, I think in any way that you can get your music out there is worth it for sure. But, um, you know, um, like I work in a record store. I grew up around physical media culture, let's call it, you know. And it's important because there's artwork and there's physical substance and all that stuff to holding things. I just feel like once you get into the digital realm, 
man, you're just weeding through people left and right to try to find something. It's really difficult. You know, it's convenient, but it sucks. Because, you know, I grew up as a DJ, too. So I've had, you know, I've just had tons of records in my life, you know, and and uh, that's been part of, of being a professional musician is is being a scholar about music, you know. And I feel like if you guys can't really touch it and put it on the platter and be like, okay, there it is, or like transcribing something, you got to keep pulling the needle back. Man, do that 30 times. You know, there's something special in that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I just think it's a challenge no matter what. So whatever you can do to keep moving forward is what you should do. So do you have a favorite record store you frequent often then? I do. The one I work at, it's a block away from my house. It's called Barely Brothers Records. It's awesome. We have the best jazz selection in town and guaranteed. We've worked on it for a long time. So, um, yeah, man, but you guys are lucky, man. You live in a state, you live in, uh, Two cities, Minneapolis and St. Paul, that have more record stores per capita than any other U.S. city. There's like over 45 brick-and-mortar record stores. That's crazy. Um, so, so have you seen kind of, obviously we hear about the shift back to vinyl. Have you seen that as, a, as an employee of a record store? Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's been really, really good and great. Um, they're definitely expensive. And you guys are notorious with not getting jobs in high school now. Back when I was your age, I started working a job when I was like 13. And sometimes I'd have two jobs just to kind of fill in the gaps there. But, um, you know, there's so much emphasis put on college for you guys now. And like, you know, oh, don't work because it's going to screw everything up. I, man, I think having a job when you're young is super, super important. I know probably all you guys work, too. I know you do, Ashton, right? You work at the print shop sometimes still? Yeah, every once in a while. Oh, yeah, totally. totally. <laughs> but, but it's important when you're young, trying to figure out all this music stuff, that you have a core group of friends that have nothing to do with the people that you play with, too. You know what I mean? You should uh, have life experiences to improvise about. Life experiences. <laughs> Anything else? Well, I have, I have a question. How is social isolation? Where have you been? Where have you I have been? just been I've just been content I I've just been content to listen to all of it. I haven't had much to ask the whole time. What's, what's your question? How has social isolation affected you as a performer? It hasn't affected me at all. Most jazz oh. have perfected social isolation because we stay at home, we practice, we work on records, we listen, and when we get to go out, that's our fun time, you know what I mean? So um uh, you know, I spend a lot of time on my craft every day. It takes time. You gotta, it's like, you gotta keep doing it. Otherwise it goes away. It's like speaking a language, you know? So, um, it hasn't changed anything, man. I still, I like to go outside. I'm a runner. I don't look like a runner, but I love it. <laughs> yeah, man. I had a dog for a long time and, uh, you know, we'd go on big hikes and big runs all the time. And it was great, man. I could design my life. That's the great thing about, kind of being your own boss and you know working on it when you want to work on it you just design your life how you want to so um yeah it's good the social isolation thing you know I, I i think it's good um maybe it's teaching everybody to kind of mellow out and feel feel like what they got you know take a, mm -hmm. a look at what they really got take time out you know it's good for sure especially for you guys you young guys 
Uh, speaking about your craft, uh, I don't know if this is unique, but you sing while you play the bass. Is this kind of unique to you, or when I was your age, when I was your age, I had trouble kind of getting my ideas out, and somebody's like, "You should sing them before you play them," you know. And I was like, "Oh, that's actually a really good idea." And of course, we all grew up listening to like Keith Jarrett, the piano player. He like, I don't know if you guys listen to him at all, but like he makes a ton of noises when he plays. Um, it's almost like a trance state, and Sometimes I want to turn it off for sure. Um, I'm a little embarrassed by it because I feel like it's kind of a crutch, you know, mm -hmm. to try to get my ideas out that way. But it, it helped me when I was young and it just kind of stuck. Um, I don't know. I've even like taped my mouth and I still do it, you know. <laughs> yeah, Everyone's definitely. It was, it was memorable. It was a memorable experience the first Everyone, time I like tape, you. Shut <laughs> him up. <laughs> <laughs> I was also curious, so you talked a little bit about you got into music for the band feel. And usually, you know, like the bassist, right, isn't remembered. Have you encountered this at all? No, I'm awesome. I'm always remembered. And I know what you mean. Like, it's weird with jazz records these days. You don't see the whole band. You just see one artist now. And, um, I, you know, I grew up on people like Mingus and Miles and Coltrane and there was always a core group of guys in those groups. You know what I mean? So, um, and you know me, I'm, I'm a vocal player. I'm a melodic player. I don't, I'm not your typical, just thumping four strings kind of jazz bass player, you know, Ashton. So um, it's a little easier for me to be out front. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So part of this podcast, we're basically, we choose an album to discuss each, each like podcast episode. So I wondered, and also at the start, you mentioned like some bands like Pink Floyd and Iron Maiden. So like, uh -huh. what are like, what are like your favorite albums or bands in your opinion? Um, I'm a huge Iron Maiden fan because when I was a kid, they really got me into music. And then I was like, oh, look, the bass player leads the band. That's cool. Um, I'm a huge Mingus fan, obviously. I think Mingus's music really speaks to young people really, really well. Uh, there's a lot of like revolution in it and political stuff and racial stuff. Um, I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan. You know, I'm a huge Led Zeppelin kid. I grew up on classic rock, but my dad, my dad was also kind of a, like a country guy. So like I grew up on like Patsy Cline and like nitty gritty dirt band and like, um, and getting back to like the band thing, I, I dug those groups cause I was like, Oh, these guys are a good band. You know, like when you hear a good band, no matter what the genre is, you know, you can kind of go, Oh, that's good. You know, I was also a huge hip hop fan. So, anything by public enemy or de la soul or or guru or you know uh the wu-tang clan or anything like that you know um you gotta remember i graduated high school in 1993 that's like the height height of hip-hop you know so uh, it's been a big influence on my whole life so yeah i guess so, i have one question to wrap it up then okay. um if you could talk to 14 year old adam Lenz. What would you say to him? I would say, and I've told you guys this too before, Ashton, like at camp, be patient. I was so impatient when I was your age. I wanted everything to happen at one time, you know, have that kind of Cinderella story. Midwest boy goes to New York, makes it big, but there's more to it. And um, you're, you want to have a long career. You don't want to burn out. You know what I mean? So I would tell 14-year-old Adam to to keep a lid on it for a little bit and work hard, you know. Um, people are going to tell you to not do this, for sure. 
and all you can do is kind of go, okay, thank you. You know, um, uh, it's, it's not easy. So you gotta be, you gotta be patient. You know, the music will change you. The more you learn, the more you listen to, the more you travel, the more you experience life, your music will change and, uh, you'll make friends forever and you'll have those friendships for, for probably your whole life. Some of them you probably don't want anymore, but you'll still have them. <laughs> so patience and, and hard work for sure. And uh, not being afraid to, to just like put yourself out there, you know, call somebody up and be like, yo, I heard you're a great player. Like I'd love to play with you or something, you know, like, like when I was your age, I do crazy stuff, like put ads in the city pages, like, jazz bass player available 16 years old you know that's how we used to do it there was no internet gig boards or anything like that um and so i ended up playing with a bunch of older people when i was younger which really really helped me a lot you know and uh helped me push forward and gave me the you know uh courage to to go chase my dreams man and uh it was great cool yeah. Thank you for coming yeah. on. Thank you, guys. All right, man. We'll have a good senior year. I know it's a weird time and everything, but, uh, um, you know, keep playing. Keep doing your stuff. Keep hitting it. Make sure you party a little bit, please. <laughs> you guys don't party. We used to party. <laughs> Super important to blow off steam. You know, work hard, party hard, take care of yourselves, and uh, – Everything else will fall in line. You'll see, man. So, awesome. all right. Thank you so much right. for, for joining you. us. Take care, man. All right, man. Bye. Yeah. Well, big thank you to Dr. Adam Lenz for coming on for this first episode. It was a real pleasure to have him on. Yeah, it definitely was a treat. Um, so in our coming episodes, uh, the next episode, we'll be talking about Frank Sinatra's album, Where Are You? Um, in my opinion, Frank Sinatra's best album, Behind Sinatra at the Sands. Uh, filled with ba uh, ballads, but we'll be talking about that when we get there. And we'll also have more special guests. Um, any, our, our next guest is a aspiring music major, and um, we may have more guests as well in that episode, but time will tell. Yeah, thank you for tuning in to Music Happy, happy uh, whatever our podcast name is. Hope you had a really happy time. Stay happy. <laughs>